Welcome to the Expatcast. This is the podcast where expats share their stories about fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on the journey to feeling at home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole, and we are now into the third week of Fegapadfo. That is the first ever Germany expat podcasters donation face-off. And at this point, I'm getting real good at saying Fegapadfo as if it's a really easy word to say. As if it's even a word at all. Anyway, I'm competing with Sean from Expat Life Germany to see who can raise more money for their charity of choice this Advent season. I do want to take a moment here at the start of the show to remind you that it's not too late to donate and participate. So you can donate to either Lebenshilfe in Bad Windsheim, which is Sean's charity of choice, or you can donate to Women's Worth Inc., which is my charity of choice. Or you can be super great and donate to both. If that's financially an option for you, that would be awesome. We'll be accepting donations in the name of Fegipadfo until Christmas Eve and then announcing which podcast raised more money on Christmas Day. But of course, you can always donate to these charities at any point in time because they're wonderful and valuable and why the heck not? It is actually with Fegipadfo in mind that I want to introduce this week's episode. It is a rebroadcast of an episode I released way back in March of this year, season two, episode eight, The Beauty of Community with Burley. Burley is someone I've been lucky enough to get to know here in my life in Freiburg because Burley's nonprofit is the very Women's Worth Inc. That is my charity of choice for Pega, for Pegafat, <laughs> for Fegapadfo. There we go. I thought it would be perfect to re-air the episode now. And I actually, I took a look at the description that I wrote for the episode way back then and not to pat my writing on the back, but it's actually pretty great. So I'm just going to read it to you right now. Here it is. Today's guest turned an existential crisis in Boston into a thriving nonprofit in Nicaragua. How the heck did that happen? Welcome to the fascinating life of Burley. Now living in Freiburg, Germany, while she completes her master's degree in global studies, Burley has traveled the globe and lived in a variety of countries. Through her personal experience, as well as her experience in her nonprofit, Burley has learned that the most important thing is community. It was only after being inspired by people that she'd met that Burley even considered traveling around the world, and it was thanks to a group of encouraging, like-minded friends that Burley took the leap and started her nonprofit, Women's Worth Inc., which hosts soft and hard skill seminars for women in the informal economy in Nicaragua which in turn has inspired a strong community among the women involved in Women's Worth's training and programs. As her story beautifully exemplifies, community can become circular in nature, and it sometimes takes a single person's example to start a wonderful cycle of giving and receiving help and support. There it is. That's the description I wrote months and months ago. And wow, yeah, I stand by it. (laughs) And so in that spirit, in the spirit of trying to be a single person that inspires a single other person to take a leap, to take a step, to give or receive the support and help that they need. Here it is, the beauty of community with Burley. Enjoy. My name is Burley, and I grew up in Boston, but was born in the Dominican Republic. And right now, I am living in Freiburg, Germany. Very exciting. And I've been living here since October. Good. For the second time around, right? Yes, for the (laughs) second time around. That's right. You're part of this fascinating little orbit of people in the, let's see if I get this right, the Global Studies Program, yeah? Yes, exactly. 
So my understanding is everyone who's doing it's a master's degree, right? Yes. And the students are mostly international. There's a, a couple Germans, but it's mostly... Yeah, so the students are from all, all over. We've got a few Germans, a few Mexicans, a guy from Ecuador, a few Americans. There's a long list. Y'all are from literally all over the world. And exactly. every time I meet more of your GSP people, it's like another new country to learn about. <laughs> yes. It's <laughs> so cool. But the thing that I find... Also very cool, but also very like somewhat terrifying about the program is you spend what so you have a semester in Freiburg, and as I said, these people are coming from mm-hmm. everywhere, and so you're like adjusting to Freiburg, and then semester number two is either in uh, Cape Town or in Buenos Aires. Okay, and then semester th- three is Delhi or Bangkok, and then four is back here in Freiburg, which mm-hmm. is where. You are now. Exactly. And why you are here now. And where, so where out of these options were you? So I've spent the second semester in Buenos Aires and the third semester in um, Delhi. How has it been? Because my impression from the group is like everyone's pretty exhausted. Like that's a lot of readjusting over a two-year period. So yes, it is exhausting. It's also really amazing and it's also a really great experience to have with this group of people definitely sort of being thrown into another country having to figure out all of this red tape of going to school and visas and just doing some very basic things in another country sometimes when you don't speak the language um it definitely brings a group of people together um it really it we have a really nice community. I think that's something that was unexpected for me. And now that you're in thesis writing phase, do you want to tell us what your topic is? So what I ended up landing on for my thesis was the political instability in Nicaragua and how that has affected women laborers in the coffee sector. So I never thought I would be in the coffee world or in ag and agriculture Um, but I did just a lot, a few more research papers on it, and I spent quite a bit of time researching this particular sector when I was in Delhi, and it's something that the women that I work with in in my nonprofit, that they are affected by, and that definitely affects the developing world hugely, And, and I want to continue working in the developing world, and in development in particular. This brings me to the next set of questions that I have, which is you <laughs> mentioned your nonprofit. So can you tell us everything, everything about that? Okay. All right. Uh, um, so I was having a little bit of an existential crisis when I was in Boston um, after doing some traveling and after doing some consulting work and, and whatnot. And so I ended up moving to Nicaragua to to volunteer um, and I headed up the lending operations for a very small um, microfinance organization and I had been involved in sort of researching um, housing microfinance and I had worked in like a housing bank and in development uh, but never done any of that work sort of in country uh, so I was excited to sort of like uh, do some field work and you know live in another country And while I was doing that work, I started a series of uh, trainings and workshops because I felt like there was really a need with survival entrepreneurship, which is what 
a lot of the the women that I was working with are doing. Um, what does that mean? So that means that they um, start businesses and, and start small businesses, uh, usually within the informal economy. So that means like it's not necessarily part of a formal process. And they start it because they need to. It's out of necessity. So one of the women that I gave a loan to, she's actually quite well educated. She had gotten like the equivalent of probably a bachelor's degree. But when she graduated, there weren't a lot of jobs. And she's not coming from a super wealthy family. Like She also had a husband and got pregnant. And, and nobody would hire someone who was pregnant. And nobody would hire a woman with a child either. Um, so there weren't really any avenues for her to work unless she made it. And this is someone who, as far as the women I work with, she's on the... I guess, higher end of the spectrum because she's well-educated, she's literate. So you you do what you can to survive. And for women and for people in the developing world, that means you, you hustle, you start selling something. You Can you get work here and there, like washing clothes as a maid? So that's kind of what my grandmother did. My grandmother was like a laundress or she washed clothes by hand. Um, and then my other grandmother in the Dominican Republic made candy and she sold jams and that's how she, she made a living. And the women that I work with are in the same sort of boat. And these skills that they're turning into businesses, how do they learn them? Like your example with your grandmother making jams and candies, like that seems like a pretty specific bit of knowledge like how do people learn how to do something like that it's sometimes it's things that you learn growing up that's been passed down through generations and and sometimes you just try things and, and you keep trying things and, and you see what works so for example one woman that I work with and so she started making tortillas and I think her mother also made tortillas uh, as well and so she had sort of a lot of knowledge that she had accumulated about how to make tortillas and by the way like making tortillas and making good tortillas it's not easy because I have tried (laughs) they've tried to teach me (laughs) this is not like uh, uh, this takes some skill and I imagine the shaping of them too mine would be like these little like blobby misformed things what's interesting about Nicaragua is um, with the tortillas is that so if you have a Mexican tortilla they're usually pressed but in, in Nicaragua that's just not done and it's not because people don't like have the machinery they just prefer them to in Spanish is palmear to be palmed to so be hand shaped so yes it does take quite a while to <laughs> to get sort of like the movement to get like the perfectly round shape and then they also when you shape them and you shape them the ra- the right way you put them on the comal which is like a, a grill then they get this like nice little bubble at just the right moment and that's when they're perfect Mm -hmm. it sounds beautiful it is beautiful yeah yeah and so she had some family knowledge and your nonprofit then is providing the financing to get going no so so what we do is we do sort of business training we do soft skills and hard skills so one of the skills that women learn is for example how to calculate an interest rate 
right? So another of the things that we do is we do a feasibility study. So, okay, you want to launch a business? Like, let's think about like what you're going to sell, what price points you want it to be at. Is that competitive? Can you pay yourself from that? We do one that's like on decision-making. It's like, okay, you have to make all of these decisions because you're a business owner. Can you have a process for that? Because you're going to be encountering decision-making all of the time. And if you have a process, it's you can make better decisions. So there's a thing on negotiation that we did. Yeah, so it's, it's a mix, a SWOT, which is like a very typical business um, skill, like strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and th- threats. Um, in Spanish, it's a FODA. <laughs> so yeah, so we do FODAs and uh, working groups so that they can analyze um, their businesses that way. And it's all like really like interactive. It's not like just one person like sitting in front. It's really, we design the workshops so that they are sort of more skills-based and, and more interactive. And some of the ideas really kind of come from them. But I remember in one workshop, for example, we were talking about how do you pay yourself or how do you calculate that and you know one woman was like well I work two weeks and the first two weeks those are for my business and the next two weeks that's my paycheck and then another woman had sort of another example for how she did that and so how to think about doing that so that you know whether you are paying yourself because a lot of the women like were just like getting by and just struggling and didn't weren't thinking about like, okay, let's, let's separate my business versus my personal income and expenses. Um, who is teaching the courses? Cause you're here. Yes, I, I am here. <laughs> but it's still happening, right? Yeah, still happening. <laughs> We're still going. So I have uh, this woman named Martha, who's wonderful, amazing, super smart. So Martha runs and the programs in Nicaragua and she does the trainings and does sometimes develops the new programming even um, based on the needs that that women have on on the ground and there are two other women and both of whom had participated in the workshops before that are also um, helping to to lead them and which is awesome and then we have another program which is a village savings and loan program where they started kind of like a community bank um in this one community that's a bit more rural and doesn't have access to finance very cool it's it's amazing it's really really wonderful work it's super challenging but i'm amazed that i did it um (laughs) but i'm just like amazed at how engaged and committed the women are because like i don't know if you know about like the situation in Nicaragua like in April there are some massive protests it's been politically unstable and and so it's been a little scary but the women's are still calling Martha like when are we going to have the workshop there was one day where there was this massive protest and it was probably we didn't know it was going to happen but cuz usually we try to stay away from doing a workshop if there's a protest or something so that people don't come out when it's dangerous but Anyway, so there's this one day and still 15 women came to the workshop. Women are coming back after they finished like the series just to like continue to be engaged and, and stuff. And, and so that's really cool. And with the Village and Savings program, they did their first distribution uh, just in December and one woman like with the savings that she accumulated through this group, she 
put a new roof on her house and another woman was able to pay for some uh, medication that she needed because she unfortunately got very sick. I was really sad to hear. Um, and also through the VSLA, there's like a bit of a social insurance component. Um, What's the VSLA? Through the savings program. I'm just going to say savings program. Oh, okay. So through, that you guys are... Yeah, through the savings okay. program that, okay, we, cool. that we did. There's a bit of a social insurance component. And so... The community gave her actually a bit of money to help with her medication as well. And yeah, I'm just in awe and amazed of the women themselves and of the team because they just do some really, really amazing work. And I'm surprised like you have this idea and you're thinking it through and you're like, we're going to do this, this, this. And then the results are above and beyond what I could have ever imagined. Yeah, so that's another whole aspect that I'm interested to hear about is the work itself is a whole topic, but there's also your your personal experience with this and how did you go from being someone who's just volunteering in Nicaragua to to starting this and then to continuing it after you left and now I don't how many years has it been going on? Two, so it's two? just two years. Yeah. I, it's just two years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, as we said, you've been around the world and back again yeah. in these two years. You've been studying your butt off, getting your master's, and you're still able to do this. So how? (laughs) Uh, Poorly. (laughs) I think I have very unrealistic expectations, (laughs) which is both good and bad, (laughs) Um, of, of what I am capable of. So you just go, go and you do what you can, you know? So there are times where I feel like I, I haven't been doing I, I always feel like I'm not doing enough I would like to get to a point where I feel like I have some balance and that uh, that I, I don't constantly feel behind with everything but somehow things get done and I'm learning now just to to with the nonprofit to rely on my team a bit more and they just they're just so amazing so tell me what was it like the moment I guess two some years ago that you transitioned from being someone who was in Nicaragua as a volunteer to someone who was starting their own nonprofit. The work that I was doing for volunteering was a, a lot of work and I was essentially running the programming and everything that was going on in my region. And I had done all of this work. I had uh, done the um, the workshops. I had sort of restructured their lending process, um, you know, hired people, like had other volunteers that I was supervising. I redid, I convinced them. I like, it was like pulling teeth. They did not want to do it, but I could <laughs> convince them to redo their website. And I got my friends to help do that as well for them so I felt like I was doing a lot of the work that it would take to to run a nonprofit, really um, at least uh, a lot of the programming part right and I also had this really great community around me I had a couple friends that had started um, their own nonprofits as well and you know they're really amazing and wonderful women they were also a little younger so I came in with a little bit more experience and I had had the experience on the ground of, of doing this uh, this work for the microfinance organization of having sort of my prior industry experience and I started talking about what I wanted to do and eventually my friend Nora who had you know done this she was like okay you've got to stop talking you've got to actually do it like 
are you gonna do it or not like Mr. Get the <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and had it not been for Nora I probably wouldn't have started on this this journey and on this process because she um, really encouraged me supported me and and pushed me um you know to put my money where my mouth is and, <laughs> and do it um and so I think it, it was really helpful to have a community of people around me that were also, you know, starting nonprofits and that were also women and that were, were really sort of in this together and supportive of each other. I think that's so beautiful is that so the one of the main turning points for you or one of the things that enabled you to make that next step was that you had that community to encourage you to show you that it is possible and then I imagined also ask them questions and be like how the heck did you do this so that I can figure my own way out and what I think is amazing about that is then you took that and turned it around and created that opportunity for others in that the women that are now coming to your workshops are getting that same effect out of it right they're they're learning something and then the people around them in the workshops or outside are are also learning these things and also saying hey she did it I can too and like you said earlier that that they're coming back and that even when they're done the program they're still there it's because they're getting that same thing and I just love that you kind of like on one the one end took it and then turned around and and gave it right back yeah and (laughs) and that's the beauty of community right and it's a one of the didn't intentionally like set out to create a community but you know that happens um organically and I think it's something that's so valuable because having a community especially around sort of being a a woman a business owner in the informal economy in the developing country that doesn't just that doesn't exist you know there's a lot of microfinance programs. There's a lot of like different sort of aids and women's empowerment. But I don't know of a lot of other um, opportunities that exist um, for women to come together as as business owners in this informal economy and really build that community and that networking. You know, and that's something that we talk about so much constantly about community building uh, like in the states uh, and and networking and and finding your tribe of mentors and xyz and we're really privileged to be able to even have that conversation and i think that ties into to what we talked about way at the beginning with your experience in the global studies program is again that sense of community is one of the biggest takeaways you're getting from this yeah absolutely and i would say generally as someone living abroad that's pound it into my awareness every day. It's just how important it is to have other people who are on a similar path with you. And I think about that too. I mean, I'm just in awe of you. Um, that's why I'm so excited to have you oh, on today. You. <laughs> you do so much and you're paving the way for others too, you know, and, and that sounds so cheesy to say, but it's true. Like, and not that you're even necessarily trying to, I mean, obviously in your programming, that is part of the goal, yeah. but like, you're not doing this to be like, look now, follow my lead. But that is what happens, right? You saw your friends do something and then you could do it too. And now there are going to be other people that see what you're doing and are going to be able to do it too. And that's freaking awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. And there is a lot there. There's a lot to say about imagining different possibilities talking about sort of being in the in the gsp or being a woman and traveling on your own or starting on a profit on your own or or i don't know going into stem or doing 
XYZ, you know, a lot of the impetus for that comes from just knowing that, that that's a possibility for you. And there are so many instances in my life where just just knowing that something was a possibility changed my idea of what I thought I was capable of and, and what I could do. Yeah, so I, the community is, it, it's everything. It, it means a lot. And it, it definitely opens up your world. That sounds so cheesy. But <laughs> <laughs> I think we've eventually reached the part about talking about these things where all of the cliches yeah. <laughs> are coming. But it, but it is all true, right? You know, yeah. and I think... Oh, God, I think about that all the time. There there are so many things that I've always dreamt of doing or maybe said offhand, like, oh, it would be so cool to do that. But I like that you said you kept talking about this idea, you know, and I had a similar experience with this podcast where it was a thing in my head for a long time. And the first person I told about it was Gordon. And I, I held off on doing that for a while because I knew what the power of saying something yeah. is and having someone hear you say that <laughs> and someone who you know will not take that lightly and mm-hmm. will be like, okay, you want to do this? You're going to do it, you yeah. know? I remember there, I think it was like an Oprah word of advice or something once about running where she was like, if you want to become a runner, put on your running shoes. Whatever yeah. happens next is not important. Put on your running shoes. Yeah. Because what happens next is, oh, I have my running shoes on. I guess I'll just go for a walk. Oh, and I'm outside. I guess I'll just run a little. And that's how it turns into you being a runner is something as simple as putting the shoes on. And I feel like voicing your idea of something like that is is the putting on of the shoes and and having the people around you to be like, and now you're off. (laughs) It can be. I think uh, the key is having the people that like will push you that extra mile because it can also be that you say that you're going to do something and and you assume this identity before you've done it and so you don't have the push to do it but if you have a community that's really going to push you that makes that makes all the difference yes I remember I had this one year in my life where like the year ended the same way it began like I was around the same people doing the same job in the same place and something about that just horrified me and ever since then I've been like desperately trying to make sure that that never happens again and not necessarily that I was unhappy just that I was like living really unintentionally unintentionally and I recall looking back on that year and thinking there were so many things that I was just like I want to do this or I could do that but not really feeling like it was a real option yeah and I think the problem for me really was that I wasn't surrounding myself with the, the people who made me aware that I could do it. Yeah, you that, know? that makes a difference. So for me, like I have this very one, I mean, obviously Nora pushing me, that was a very real, real push. But I, so I had always wanted to travel. Like, you know, when I was like 16, or I always wanted to travel. I always wanted to do a study abroad program. And then somehow I never did those things. I mean, there were reasons I didn't do those things. So I'm like this poor black Hispanic girl, you know, in, in Boston, there are these things I wanted to do, but they, they didn't really seem like real possibilities, not until you had X, Y, Z, other things lined up. And so I, I didn't study abroad. Um, but I did do this one summer, I got the scholarship to, to go to Canada, to go to Quebec. And I met so many other really cool people and, and they had all sort of like gone abroad and were doing this and that. And I met this one particular woman who was, yes, she was like, yeah, I traveled around the world. I saved up $18,000 and I spent two years abroad. 
And I did not think that that was even a possibility for me to to save up that amount of money, to just take off and, and travel the world. And I eventually ended up doing that, though. I mean, it wasn't that amount of money and it wasn't that length of time. But yeah, I, I traveled around the world. And had I not met that woman who showed me that that was possible, I wouldn't have done it. It's crazy. Yeah. It's so wild. And it, and it can be these people. I mean, it doesn't sound like this is someone who you would like spend all your time around and no, you know no. it's just a chance like <laughs> I don't even remember her name <laughs> I remember what she looks like but she was there she existed in that moment and well and you you took that right yeah. that's yeah. it's it's such a two-way street it's having the surroundings but it's also having the internal conversation yeah. that says hey I can do this yeah I can do it and it wasn't an immediate thing it was like seven or eight years before that happened for me but you know, just knowing that it was possible. Somebody had done it. And and she scraped by and, and she she did it. So why couldn't I do it? I think that first step is, is so key. Mm-hmm. And I guess with your nonprofit too, like, I don't know, when I first heard you say it, I, I too was like, what? Like, a non, you can just make nonprofits? Like, what? Like, <laughs> and you're just like this normal gal. I mean, you're not, you're super unique, but like also, you know, like yeah, you're just yeah. a person. I'm you're not person, like yeah. some, I don't know. I picture the people who run nonprofits, like all live in DC and like are somehow super rich, even though they work in nonprofits. Mm-hmm, yeah, and like, yeah. all, like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's definitely that crew. Yeah. I'm not that crew. <laughs> <laughs> no, like you're out here living your own life, but at the same time, you did do this thing and <laughs> It sounds like you've got so much going on today that I don't know if, if, if this opportunity came up today, like that first step might not be on the, on yeah. the, on the table, but, but back then it was it and was. you took it mm-hmm. and having set that into motion, now it's a matter of just keeping it in motion. And so it's happening yeah. and it's happening. And in, in just a matter of months, you'll be done with your master's. Well, and I guess then that's a question. So you'll have written a thesis about something that's very related to your nonprofit. Do these things come together? Is that the, the vision? Um. I don't know. To be completely 100% honest, I've always been slightly terrified of the future. Um, <laughs> and that is still true. Um, I, it was intentional that I chose to, to write about gender and to write about Nicaragua, right? Because it's been such a part of my experience in, in the last five years. And I think I also wanted to talk about a, a process that is, is relevant to development so that it places me in sort of a good position should I choose to have a nine-to-five one day. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I try to be intentional, but um, I do not have a five-year plan or or something like that. I kind of take things as they they come. I do not know where I will be in the next next year. Who knows? Um, I know I'll still be working on the nonprofit. I will still be passionate about gender and economic development and Nicaragua. Those will all be a part of, of my life in, in some way. In what specific way? I don't know yet. We'll, we'll have to figure that out. <laughs> and you're not there yet. You know? No, it's fine. It's yeah, fine. It's a good amount of information to have. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think you... I'm trying to get better at sort of like long-term planning, but I think that there's something to be said for putting yourself in, in certain positions, right? Um, so acquiring certain skills. It, it's not necessarily like you want to say, I want to like have like 
this job by like 2022 or want to like be vice president of this company in like three years. But there's something to be said for acquiring certain skills that you would need to do that. And that could transfer to other areas as well. So I try to think more that way because honestly, the long-term planning other aspect is a little bit overwhelming. <laughs> um, it's not the way my brain works and it, it just kind of, I just get stuck. But it's a lot easier for me to think about like, okay, what are skills? Like, what do I want to do? to do more or less. And that's yeah. a form of future planning in and of itself yeah. is is doing what you can in the present to set yourself up to be in a good position to take advantage of the opportunity when you're when you know what that is. Exactly. So you don't need to know what the next step is, but that doesn't mean that you can't do something today to make yourself ready for it when it comes. Yeah. So that's what I try to work towards. And I feel like you've got enough going on in the meantime. Like, <laughs> yes. I feel like we get to all cut you some slack there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're about to get to our ending segment. Uh, but before we get there, if people want to learn more about the nonprofit or, or your work or what have you, what, what can we do? Where can we go? Okay, you can go to womensworthinc.org. Great. And what could people do from wherever they are to support something like? Um, Well, we do have a fundraiser coming up. We're trying to raise some funds so that we continue the great programming that we're doing doing and that we can um, also expand it and meet some other needs that the women have. So... So there's that, um, but also, you know, just, you know, get in touch. You can just uh, go to our website or um, our Facebook page and, and learn more about us. Um, and I'm always available if anyone has any questions about sort of economic development and women's empowerment and gender in Nicaragua. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm just um, Burley Cordero. Uh, you can find me very easily on Facebook. All right, then we will... Round that corner, head to home. This is our ending segment, which is called Zack, Zack, Zack. So it's a rapid okay. fire question round. Yep. I'm going to ask you three questions. Okay. You're going to answer them without thinking it, overthinking it. Go with your gut. All right. Ready? Ready. What is your favorite holiday? Thanksgiving. <laughs> You're super busy all the time. What is one thing that you can recommend people try to unwind? Definitely cooking. Exercise saves my life. Yoga, meditation, I do all the things. And out of everywhere you've been and all the food you've eaten, what's the very best comfort food? Ooh, mashed potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Accurate. That's actually a factually correct statement. This wasn't an opinion question. (laughs) This was a quiz. Yeah, mashed potatoes, yes. Very good. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Berlin. Thanks so much. This was so much fun. Thank you, Burley, for not just coming on to the expat cast, but for doing all that amazing work and starting Women's Worth, Inc. And now I want to thank you, dear listener, for tuning in. And after hearing that, how could you not want to donate to Burley's awesome, amazing charity? As we now know, it's called Women's Worth, Inc. And it is my charity of choice for Vegapodfo. So if you go on expatlifegermany.de slash charity, you can find the link to donate. My final request for the day is that you take a couple moments and throw some stars my way specifically five stars on the rating and review section of apple podcasts i'll be back in your feeds on sunday 
for the final Feggy Podfo update. And then I'll be back in your feeds the day after Christmas with a very, very fun episode comparing and contrasting Christmas in the US with Christmas in Germany. Until then, have a great week. Tschüss.